Welcome to He That Hath Ears, Listen Podcast. My name is Dave Krupa, a Christian and student of the Bible. Each episode, I will share lessons I learned from God's Word to help on the Christian journey in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time exploring the Bible with me today. Now, let's listen. Lately, my thoughts have been turning to my childhood and how joyful it seemed to be. I didn't have any worries. I just lived life. Now, however, I live in a world that's full of pressures. Temptations, responsibilities, all these things pile up. There are things that pull on us from every side. We have too many commitments, not enough time to fulfill them, and oftentimes find other masters steal our energies away from our true master. Jesus said, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold on to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Matthew chapter 6 verse 24. He also said in John 10.10, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. These two scriptures can cause a lot of stress. How can we have a more abundant life if we are not to serve another master? I believe the answer can be found in Philippians 4, 4 through 13, which will be the scriptures for our podcast today. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, Whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity." Not that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned, in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Often people will say that if we had all the money we needed, we'd have it made in the shade. Wealth is a universal dream. But the Bible has a lot to say about riches and poverty, mainly that abundant living and wealth are not synonymous. Jesus did promise us abundance in life in John 10.10, but not necessarily wealth. How can we obtain the abundant life Jesus has promised? Philippians 4 gives us ten ways I think we can live abundantly. The first way can be found in verse 4. 
we're to have a joyful approach to life. Happiness is not a station you arrive at, but a manner of traveling, not an object to pursue, but an attitude to have. Abundant living is waking up in the morning and saying, as David did in Psalms 118 and 24, This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. One question we need to ask ourselves, is our alarm clock every morning our friend or our enemy? Do we meet our family joyfully every morning? Do we go to work or school with a happy attitude? Do we come home praising God for a wonderful life? We need to act happy even if you don't feel happy. How do you do that? By meeting your family joyfully every morning. By going to work or school with a happy attitude. By coming home praising God for a wonderful life. If you do these things, you are on your way to an abundant life. The teacher of a primary class in Sunday school was mildly hipped on the happiness theme. It was her custom on the Sabbath morning to inquire of each tiny tot what he or she had done in the course of the week to make some person happy. When it came time for Eunice's turn, she deliberated for some time and finally said, Well, I spent an afternoon at my aunt's house, and when I went home, she was happy. In other words, we should look for ways to make others happy. The second way can be found in verse 5, the first part of verse 5, and that is to treat others gently or kindly. King James Version has moderation. We live in a harsh world. Vine defines the word used for gentleness or moderation as being equitable, fair, moderate, not insisting on the letter of the law. It expresses a consideredness that looks humanely and reasonably at the facts. In other words, allow people to make mistakes. We shouldn't be too quickly to judge or condemn. Jesus teaches us this lesson in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1-5. through 5. He said, Judge not, that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. It's only imperfection that complains of what is imperfect. The more perfect we are, the more gentle and quiet we become towards the defects of others. That was Francis Fenelon. Abundant living is learning to treat others as gently as we can. The third way is in in the second half of verse 5. We need to feel the nearness of the Lord. There are times in life when we feel so alone. This is when it's especially comforting to know that the Lord has promised to be with us always. Jesus said, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Matthew 28 and 20 Whenever I think I'm feeling a little lonely, I remember the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. 
This is the one thing that separates a Christian from the world. The Lord will never leave us, as pointed out in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. Let your conversation be without covetedness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. The fourth way can be found in verse 6. We get to tell God what we need. There's a saying, don't worry over anything whatsoever. Tell God every detail of your needs in earnest and thankful prayer. Luke chapter 11 verses 9 through 13. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be open. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, How much more shall your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? We need to learn to pray in detail, and I often think of children praying at mealtime. Thanks for the corn, thanks for the meat, thanks for the bread, thanks for the milk. And we need to thank Him for the answers as well. A little boy who had been taught to pray found himself sliding down a roof, apparently to a serious fall. O Lord, he prayed hurriedly, save me, save me. Just then a nail caught his pants and he added a postscript, Never mind, Lord, a nail has done it for you. Think about those times when you're in despair, when life knocks you down to your knees. That's actually the proper position in which to pray, isn't it? The fifth way can be found in verse 7 of Philippians 4. You need to accept the peace of God. After you've told God in detail your needs, trust Him for the way He will answer. We need to accept the peace of mind that comes from knowing God has complete control of our lives. Romans 8 and 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John fourteen twenty seven. God can grant a calmness to your soul that can come through no other means. Riches, rest, work. Abundant living seals the peace of God and accepts it. The desire for peace does not necessarily ensure peace. Neither does the desire for food satisfy hunger, but at least it gets you started towards a restaurant. In verse 8, we're taught to think about good things. The Bible teaches we are what we think. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he, Proverbs 23 and 7. We can choose to fill our minds with obscene, vulgar, worldly thoughts, or we can choose to think about the holy, the right, the beautiful and the good. 
The more wholesome our thoughts become, the more wholesome our lives become. We need to try to learn to think just as Jesus did. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, we are taught this. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowls and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Verse 9 teaches us that we should imitate good people and the good in people. Paul said, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. 1 Corinthians 11 and 1 Look around for good people to imitate. Too often we only see flaws in people. We should be good finders. Francis Bacon said, He that gives good advice builds with one hand. He that gives good counsel and example builds with both. But he that gives good counsel and bad example builds with one hand and pulls down the other. Let's praise people for their good points and imitate. Abundant living is learning good from anybody and everybody. Philippians 4.10 teaches us that we should depend on others. Paul was not too proud to say he needed help. One of the values of true Christianity is to help each other. We can find example this in Galatians 6 and 2, Romans 15 and 1, or the early church in Acts 4, 32 through 35. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them, and brought the prices of the things that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. Abundant living realizes that we need God and each other. We only hurt ourselves when we never ask for help. Look to Philippians 4 verses 11 and 12. That teaches us that we are to look for happiness in things other than possessions. Happiness does not depend on circumstances but our attitude toward those circumstances. Paul wrote to the young preacher in 1 Timothy 6 and 6 and 10, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith 
and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Happiness does not depend on circumstances, but rather attitude. An Amish man put up a sign on a vacant piece of ground next to his house. The sign read, I will give this lot to anyone who is really satisfied. A wealthy farmer, as he rode by, read it. Stopping, he said, Since my Amish friend is going to give that piece away, I may as well have it as anyone else. I'm rich, I have all I need, so I am able to qualify. He went up to the door and explained, why he had come. And is thee really satisfied? asked the Amish man. The farmer replied, I have all I need and am well satisfied. Friend said the other, If thee is satisfied, what dost thou want with my lot? We need to realize that God has given us everything we need. Verse 13 tells us to draw on the power of Christ. Abundant living is impossible without the power of Christ. The world may be able to imitate some of the qualities we've been discussing, but they are only a shallow sampling. Real abundant living is possible only by claiming the power of Christ, only by being in Christ. Philippians 4.4 says, In the Lord. 4.5 says the Lord is near. 4.6 says to pray to God. 4.7, in Christ Jesus. 4.10, in the Lord. 4.13, through Him. Abundant living without Christ is virtually impossible. I'll close with a poem by an unknown author entitled, The Clock of Life. The clock of life is wound but once, and no man has the power to say just when the hands will stop, at late or early hour. To lose one's wealth is sad indeed, to lose one's health is much more, to lose one's soul is such a loss that no man can restore. Now is the only time you own, so live and toil with will. Place no faith in your tomorrow, for the clock may then be still. Thanks for listening. W. Clement Stone wrote, That which you share multiplies, that which you withhold diminishes. If you found this podcast enjoyable, share the link with someone you care about.